Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled women in the ring. another episode here of the two minute round your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world this is episode number 73 it's been about three weeks since we were last on the air it's been a very busy august and it's starting to be a very busy september for the world of female boxing and we're here back to talk about it my name is felipe leon and with me as always from the bay area miss lupi gutierrez lupi how you doing tonight i'm good i'm good and as always, the czar of Southern California boxing, Mr. David Avila. And new inductee to the International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame, Mr. David Avila. Yay. Oh, hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> and there you have it. So now from now on, when you when you talk about David, you got to say Hall of Fame, David Avila. You got to say that. So uh, we have a great show tonight for you guys here. At the two-minute round, we're going to be talking all about female boxing. If you guys are listening to the show, then that means you guys are hardcore female boxing fans. And you know that this weekend coming up, Friday and Saturday, tomorrow night and Saturday night, we have two great, great female boxing fights scheduled. One in New York City, one in L.A., the two biggest cities in the United States, Um, one in the one one is going to be at the historic Madison Square Garden. One is going to be at the Dignity Health Sports Park, otherwise known as the War Grounds. So we're going to get all into that. But later on tonight, it's not going to be at 745 because I just got word that he might be running a little bit late. But that's not a problem because we're going to wait for him. But we're going to have a very special person on the show who is Mr. Mark Taffet, former head of HBO pay-per-view and now co-manager of none other than Clarissa Shields, the undisputed and un- undefeated middleweight champion of the world. But at 745, we are going to have a special guest and it's going to be Mr. Dimitri Salida, former fighter. I think he fought in the welterweight division, if I'm not mistaken. And now promoter of Clarissa Shields of, um, Anna Rankin, who he just signed, and a couple of other female female fighters that he's going to share with us as soon as he gets on the line, and he will be calling at 7.45 a.m. So we're going to have the a.m. p.m. We're going to be having Mr. Dimitri Salida, and then later on tonight, we're going to have Mr. Mark Taffet. So we have a lot of talk to them about. But let's go fairly quickly here through the fight results of the last two or three weeks of female boxing so we can get up to date. Saturday, August 24th in Mexico, Guadalupe Bautista scored a unanimous decision over Nayeli Verde and a 10-rounder to capture the WBC Silver Flyweight title. Scores there were 192 times and 191 one time. So she now is ranked in the top 15 in the WBC at 112 pounds. So then at one point or another, hopefully she gets a chance to challenge for that title against the current champion, uh, Yvette La Roca Zamora. Um, 
And then we also had on Thursday, August 29th, from the Foxwoods Resort in Mashantucket, Connecticut, we had Alicia Napoleon defending her WBA 168-pound title over Shamel Baldwin uh, with the fourth-round TKO, and Helen Joseph unanimous decision over Martina Horgas in a six-rounder at 118 pounds. That fight, that fight card was uh, broadcast live on the UFC Fight Pass. Mr. David Avila uh, covered that fight for thepricefighters.com. What did you see in Alicia Napoleon, David? And do you think that Shamil Baldwin at a 3-0 at the time of the first bell deserved to be fighting for a WBA super middleweight title? Uh, that's that's a good question, but you have to realize that that division is very sparse. There's not that many fighters, so if you have a national ranking or you know or nas- national titles, or, you can jump up there real quick because it, it's not very crowded. So in order for for Alicia Napoleon to get fights, she you know she ha- she's willing to fight anybody. You know, but essentially Baldwin didn't look like she was ready. What about Alicia Napoleon? Did you see anything different? Do you think that if she would drop down to 160 or 154, more likely 160, I think she can because she has been fighting barely above that weight class and and defending and capturing the WBA title. Um, Do you think that she has what it takes to compete with the other big names at 160, one being Clarissa Shields? Uh, Yeah, I don't don't see any reason why not. I I think she's... uh... Pretty skilled. She knows what she's doing. Uh, she showed me a lot uh, in that fight. Uh, the girl she fought was taller. Uh, you know, knew what she was doing too. But Alicia has experience, and she's been sparring a lot against uh, top uh, fighters. And uh, she she looked even better than she did when she lost to Tori Nelson. Uh, I saw that fight. Uh, she did lose that fight, but she's improved a lot since that loss. And anything to report on Helen Joseph, anything about her performance? I wasn't able to see that fight. Uh, did any of you see it? They didn't, they didn't broadcast it? Oh, it wasn't? No. Wow, interesting. Okay, moving on to Saturday, August 30th. Do you, did you watch those fights on UFC Fight Pass, Lupi? No, I haven't. I have, and okay. you know what? I should just go ahead and get the Fight Pass. It's only 10 bucks, right? It is only 10 bucks, yeah. David? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know what, David? Because uh, you and that, well, we've we've had um, um, some private conversations. Us three, we have our own talk where we talk about the show and stuff like that. And um, it's no secret that you and I, and I'm loopy to a certain extent as well. We're not big MMA fans, and you know that's one of the reasons I don't jump and buy it because I don't really want to support anything that has to do with the MMA. But you know, they're starting to convince me with these good fights that they're starting to have on there. So I might have Very to. Very good. Place. Yeah, I might have to bite the bullet and actually, you know, get it. So uh, yeah. I'm getting convinced. What's that? I'd like to cover some of the MMA. I mean, some of the girls. I don't know. They, it, it's just they're promoted differently. They, they promote themselves differently. It's a little exciting when you get the ones you like. There's some good ones. I hardly. I I, I never watch it, so I, I wouldn't know. Um, but. It is part of the of combat sports now, so and UFC Fight Passes in one way or another promoting female boxing, so we have to support it one way or the other. Now moving on to Saturday, August thirty first, 
This fight was actually like, it seemed to me like it was done last minute because we didn't hear a lot of promotion for it. And I didn't hear about it until a couple of days before it actually happened. But in La Paz, Mexico, on the Azteca channel, Anabel Ortiz defended yet again against Maria Milano, her 105-pound WBA title with unanimous decision. And the same night um, from London, Savannah Marshall scored a fifth-round TK, TKO over Daniel Bastiri. Uh, in 168 pounds, uh, they stopped the fight after the fifth round. I cut, I cut the tail end of this fight, the last couple of uh, of uh, rounds. And to be quite honest, I didn't see anything from Savannah Marshall that would make me believe that at this point in her career, she can compete with Clarissa Shields. I know that you guys follow social media, and she has been very outspoken in interviews that that's the fight that she wants, and she's very confident that if they were to fight again, she would beat Clarissa Shields. If you guys don't know who Marshall, Savannah Marshall is, Savannah Marshall is a, a English fighter who is the only woman, amateur or pro, that has ever beaten Clarissa Shields. Clarissa Shields has only lost one time inside a ring as an amateur, none as a pro so far. Um, and it was at a Olympic, I think it was Olympic trials or world tournament or something like that against Savannah Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and since then they have not faced each other again. Since then they have both turned pro and um, Marshall, basically she's riding the coattails of Clarissa Shields. I believe in my opinion right now, drumming up some interest, drumming up some interest for herself in mentioning Clarissa Shields and obviously reminding us that she's the only woman to ever beat her. But what I saw in her TKO victory against a woman that quite honestly didn't have nothing to do in the ring with her, um, I didn't see a way that she could beat Clarissa Shields. Now, she could improve and get to that level, but for her to be talking that she could beat her now, I, I don't see where that would come from. Yeah, it's a big difference fighting the amateurs and pros. Big difference. Yeah, and I think that to, at this point, I think she has like four or five fights under her belt. She has not trans her, – her style hasn't um, evolved into a pro style, which is something that we touched a lot in past episodes here. On Saturday, September 7th, in Ciudad Juarez, this past Saturday, Daniela La Bonita Fernandez gets back in the win column with the United decision over Devani Valderas in a scheduled 10-rounder. Uh, for a, uh, for the WBC, she ended up defending her WBC international 115 pound title. And one thing that I noticed, David and Lupi, about Daniela Fernandez, and I came to the conclusion in watching this fight, is that Fernandez is a good fighter. She she has some technical skills. She has improved that technical skill. When I first started watching her mm-hmm. fight, she was a little bit more raw, a little bit more of a brawler, and she has improved. And then Devani Valdera was pretty much an unknown. She had never fought in a major fight. She never even fought in a 10-rounder before. And she kind of, you know, made it a little bit competitive throughout the fight, more so in the first half. But I'm convinced, David and Lupi, that Fernandez is not a world champion. She's that kind of fighter that's going to beat everybody at the B level, maybe B-plus level. But when she steps up to that A level, um, she just doesn't have it. And we've seen it in her record. She fought against she lost in Argentina against the, and she gives great fights, but she fought against Deborah, Deborah Dionisos in Argentina for the world title. She lost to uh, Lourdes La Pequeña Lulu Juarez, who in our eyes is ready for a world title right now. 
And she fought, she lost it to Mariana La Barbie Juarez, another world champion and legendary fighter out of Mexico. So in this fight, even though she won the fight, she looked good doing it. She convinced me that she's not a world-class fighter. She, um, she has uh, problems with accuracy. She has problems with accuracy. I think that to, see, to me, it seems like she doesn't, I mean, she throws her punches very well and she has good defense, but to me, she doesn't like put it all together. Like she doesn't have a, a game plan. She just goes in there and goes through the motions and does and throws the punches, but she does, it's not a, like all a concise game plan. She's just doing, I've seen other fighters like that. And, um, um, and she just, to me, I think that she's going to beat all these fighters, but when she steps up, she's not going to have it. In my opinion, she might prove me wrong, but that's what I've seen in the fights that I've seen with her. And lastly, this morning here in the Western Hemisphere and last night in Japan, in Tokyo, Montserrat Alarcón from Mexico traveled over to uh, the land of the rising sun to score a unanimous decision over local Ayaka Miyao in a 10-rounder to defend her 102-pound WBA title. And in the semi-main event, Saemi Hanagata scored a unanimous decision over Nao Ikeyama to defend her 102-pound IBF title. And Montserrat Larcón, with that win, becomes the first Mexican fighter, female fighter, to go to Japan twice and come out victorious in world title fights. So she did it once against Nana Yakahama, and now she did it again going over to Japan and defending her title and coming home with that WBA um, 102 pound title. So she's gonna her profile and her stock just shot up in the eyes of, of a lot of uh, Mexican female boxing fans, and I believe female boxing fans in general. David. Yeah, shit, that was, that was impressive. She fought in the Kurakuen uh, Hall in Tokyo, and uh, they're pretty. I mean, it's hard to be the Japanese girl in in Tokyo. And unanimous decision, too. I mean, it wasn't no split decision. It wasn't a majority decision. So whatever judges were there, like, hands down, saw her win, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, they, they do have good judges. I, I just say that it's the pressure because the Japanese girls, they they go all out. They, they're like, they won't quit. They won't surrender. They won't back up. So it's kind of hard to beat them, especially in Tokyo. Yeah, and that's the beauty of those wins is that – she went all the way yeah. over there, and she, I mean, she you can't leave it in the judge's hands, and she didn't. And that's what, well, that's the goal for everybody, right? I mean, that's what every all the boxers should be doing. She did it. Now, David, I, I, obviously we haven't been able to watch the fight because we haven't found it on YouTube yet. It just happened, um, you know, today over there, yesterday over here, whatever the case may be. And uh, But I did see some pictures, and it looked like a pretty hard f- f- fight. I mean, Alarcón looked drained when they were putting that, a belt around her waist. Her top was all bloodied, so it looked like a pretty tough fight. Is our correspondent from the PriceFighters.com gonna write up about it? Is she in Japan or is she over yeah. in the United States? Uh, no, she well, she she gets a stream for it, and okay. she she's gonna be writing about it for us. Perfect. Her name is yeah, Rico, because, uh, perfect, because I do want to read her report about it and, and get all the nitty gritty and the details that we can uh, watch it. It makes you feel like. With these kind of fights, it makes me feel we're back like in the in the 30s and the 40s, David, before there was TV, and, and people had to get the results and figure out what happened in the fight from reading from it and not actually watching it on exactly. YouTube 
or, or TV or even listening to it on the radio, yeah. you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which is very, it's very interesting because at one point it could have been skewed by the writer, you know, he, it could have been a completely different fight and he could report about it um, one way, a, a different true. way, which keeps us, David, you and I who, who write and report on fights honest because, I mean, I could try to skew the fight one way if I want, I mean, not that I would, but but you could try, but then somebody's going to be like, that's not what happened. I saw the fight on YouTube or I saw the fight on, on the zone and you're completely out of your mind, you know? So, so that is a little, yeah, that could be a little <laughs> bit different. Well, that, that's what happened in the last three weeks in female fighting all around the world. And now before we move on to fight chatter and to our pending guest, uh, Dimitri Salida, hopefully calling pretty soon here. Um, the promoter of Clarissa Shields and Hannah Rankin and a couple other uh, female fighters in the stable. And later on tonight, none other than Mark Taffet, the head honcho of Mark Taffet Media and former HBO pay-per-view vice president. Uh, we want to go back uh, to, what was it, last? It wasn't last week. It was two weeks ago. Two weeks. When in, yes. yeah, in the Bay Area of California near San Francisco, a special ceremony was held where uh, Miss Susan Fox, the, the president or the head or the creator, the founder of the International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame and also the uh, curator of the women's boxing, uh, what's the WBAN stand for? Archive, women's Boxing? Archive Network. Archive Network held her third uh, induction to her International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame on her last show, number 72, we had three of the inductees um, as part of our show, which was um, Karina Moreno, Blanca Gutierrez, and Marta Salazar. And tonight, we have another one of those inductees, and none other than our very own Mr. David Avila. David, why don't you give us your thoughts about the ceremony and um, your thoughts about being inducted into the International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame? Well, you know, it's funny because uh, it it was very... For me, it was a special moment, not because I, I was being inducted or honored, but mainly because all the people that are like you, like me, I should say, everybody that likes women's boxing was there. And then some of them are some of the fighters I wrote about or I've seen from the beginning to the end. And, you know, it was a special moment because you, you get to see them again. They're all in one room. It's like there's not enough time to even talk to everybody and, and speak with everybody. So so it was a wonderful event just for that alone. I, I mean, I would do it again. Uh, that was the first time I, I've gone. And, uh, you know, I got to speak to old friends like uh, Christy Martin, uh, Wendy Rodriguez, uh, on and on. I mean, there were so many people, Sue Fox, who, well, in my opinion, women's boxing would be dead without Sue Fox because she just kept it right there. You know, it would be drowning and Sue Fox just kept it just above the waterline and she kept it going, you know, through any means necessary by, you know, spending her own money. And, uh, you know, she really, she's really done a lot for women's boxing and that's the truth. Now, Lupe, what do you think? Lupe is yeah. a big part of it too. Lupe, you were there. Your sister. Let me let me let me set the table, please, Lupe. Please let me let me take part of this. Give me one second. Okay. <laughs> Lupe, your sister, your sister Blanca was inducted. You were there. 
it was tied in with the beautiful brawlers, the tournament that you guys have every year for the last nine years. Um, you're a big part of that as well. So tell me, we heard the thoughts of David, uh, an actual inductee, but now tell me your thoughts of having your sister there. I'm sure you're very proud, but also as a person, you know, not an outsider, but somebody that, that wasn't being inducted, that's not a fighter, but has the opportunity to be in the same room with all these people. It was a beautiful night for boxing. It was, I mean, of course, I was so proud of my sister. It was so great to see David again. Um, my husband, who never comes to any of the, the events, I mean, that's my thing, he was there. Um, to Sue Fox, Christy Martin, Jill Diamond, Wendy Rodriguez, I mean, Lisa Holwyn. It was just an incredible night. Martha Salazar. We had um, one of our girls uh, who, is, who just stamped her ticket to the Olympic trials, Lupe Gutierrez. She was there. She had her little table set up. She was signing autographs, had her WBC amateur belt. She's the first WBC am- amateur winner. Um, she had her booth all set up. It was just amazing for everybody. So it, it, it was beautiful. Beautiful night. Now tell us about the amateur tournament that happened the next the next day on Saturday. Um, how did that go okay, by? So- how did it go through? Oh, my God. The next day, um, the Beautiful Brawlers, it was our ninth show. and We got there really early in the morning. We had um, the weigh-ins and the physical starting at 8.30. The beauty of having the International Hall of Fame was that everybody came to the show. So we, and I didn't even get to see David. David stopped by. Christy Martin was there. Jill Diamond was there. Layla McCarter. Uh, Rhea, Rhea was there. Uh, Melissa McMorrow. It was just incredible. And David, and I now I know why you sing Layla McCarter's praises. She is an unbelievable person. She's a beautiful spirit. She was in there with all the girls. She was signing gear. It was amazing. It was an incredible event. My sister, uh, we had 37 um, amateur bouts. That morning, we had a few no-call, no-shows. My sister was still matching fights day up. Mm. <laughs> what time did it turn? It was incredible. Start? What time it did the tournament at noon. start? At noon? And what time did it end? Somewhere around noon. And it ended probably around 4 is what my guess. I never looked at the clock, but it was supposed really? to be 12 to 4. It was about 5 or we, 6. <laughs> was it 5? <laughs> yeah, 5 or 6. <laughs> we had, I mean, I was looking at some video that somebody had made, and the line was all the way down the street. I couldn't believe it. Wow. It was incredible. It wow. really was. I mean, we always Great started fight. with the parade of the champions. Wasn't it just... David, you, we started with you missed the parade, so we prayed all the girls in. Oh. All the girls get their show, uh, you know, and I have it. Somebody sent it to me, so I'll be posting it soon. It's just, you know, it's all about the girls. It's all about them. Um, Clover donated all the yogurt, so we had a yogurt, yogurt bar set up for them after weigh-ins. We had, um, I mean, there were so many extras for the girls. The belts were beautiful. Uh, WBC Care sponsored all the the belts for we gave four overall winners um, in each yeah. division. Um, Franchon Cruz last minute sponsored best overall boxer, and she threw in a little gift uh, prize money. Wow! And wow. I haven't announced I haven't announced it yet of who won. We know I just haven't seen. I need to do it in a special way, but it, it was incredible. David, what did you take? What was your take on it? Uh, you know, because I got there late, uh, had some family matters to attend. But when I got there, they had these incredible fights. And uh, the girls were from all over the country. And uh, 
you don't know what to expect. I, I just I never seen so many uh, young and adult uh, female fighters all at once, and they were and they were there to win. There was no let's go through the motions. Everybody was was trying to the very end. Uh, I got to see the last uh, one one fight in particular. Uh, I think one of the girls was from Hawaii or something. And, uh, yeah, Ari, yeah, they had Ari girls Ramos. from white. Yeah, Mexico. girls from all over. Very, very Texas. good fighters. Very good. Yeah, I, basically, I saw the future. Mm. It was. You know what was beautiful about it, David, is that my sister has always had the girls. Uh, the winner puts the medal around the girl's neck, and then the other somebody helps the winner with the belt, and it's just beautiful. And with the hug, you know, it's just it's a sisterhood. I mean, you're brawling it out in the ring, but everyone gets along throughout the whole event because we're all together. We keep them all together. Couple of questions. Hold on. Let me reintroduce two minute round hooks and jabs. Look at female boxing number 73. I'm Felipe Leon with me is Lupe Gutierrez and Mr. David Avila. Couple of questions about what you mentioned there, David, you said that you looked at the future. So you saw some very good amateur boxing there. What did you see? a difference about these young women's boxing style? Do you see uh, something more technical, more skillful than maybe what we've seen in the past coming from the amateurs, maybe more polished? You know, I've been watching it for a long time, for over 20 years, Mm -hmm. uh, the amateurs and the pros. And um, I've seen some of the best come up through the amateurs. And every year they just get better and better. Uh, I see it every year. They just get more polished, more technical. There's very, they're they're not wild anymore. Once in a while you would see wildness and stuff. Now it's it's mostly um, they're they're mostly already taught. There's very mm-hmm. little needed. All they're doing is polishing up. So I think the the women's boxing program, if it continues the way it is now, that they're, they're going to be unbeatable, especially in, in the United States. They're going to be unbeatable. Now, that's one thing that I do want to reiterate is that I've had in the past here in Tijuana, I had I was following amateur boxing for a while, and there were some female fighters there. And if you follow it closely and you get to know the fighters and you see them fight, and then when they get to fight a certain fighter against a certain fighter, it could be very, very exciting. And it could be... Like seeing some of the fights that we're looking forward to this weekend, but you're seeing it week yeah. after week. So if if any listener is out there that has not paid attention to um, amateur boxing, whether it be male or female, and you have the opportunity to do it, I would strongly suggest it because you're going to see some good action um, in that ring. Um, we are oh, yeah. waiting for we are waiting for um, our. Uh, our uh, guest to call in. We're, re- we're waiting for Dimitri Salita, who is supposed to call in uh, hopefully pretty soon here. He's a promoter now, former fighter. He's a promoter for Clarissa Shields, Hannah Rankin, among others, uh, in his uh, promotional company. And also we're waiting for Mr. Mark Taffet, former HBO uh, pay-per-view vice president and current manager of uh, Clarissa Shields. He's actually flying in from the East Coast to Vegas. So that's why it's, uh, he's running a little bit late, but hopefully we can catch him here 
on the show. Let's move on to a little bit of fight chatter. I wanted to add one more thing before you, Go ahead, before you move on. Um, I remember I was uh, in Tijuana about a couple of years ago, and I was at uh, uh, some gym in, in, uh, by a park. And um, okay. I was kind of surprised because I walked in this one gym, and there was over 50 girls there. And uh, oh yeah, they were all training, and I was like, wow, I- I'd never seen – I haven't seen any gym like that in California, but they had 50 yeah. girls. There's the even more gym I've seen it is, up, is up there in there's, San Francisco with the, yeah. the Blanca's gym. Yeah. <laughs> there's, even more, there's even more uh, female uh, – amateur female fighters now – uh, coming up in the ranks in Tijuana before uh, four or five years ago at, in pro fighters in Tijuana, there might've been two or three. Now there's like 10 of them. So they are coming up in the, in the, in the pros and in the amateurs here in Tijuana. And then also coming in from Mexicali and from other uh, surrounding cities. Well, we do have one of our callers come, calling in right now to quite honest with you. Uh, I don't know who it is. It's just a different uh, area code. So we're going to, we're going to patch him in and see if either Mr. Salida or Mr. Taffet. Let's see who we have on the line. Uh, Erico 973, you're on the line. Who do we have? 973, Mr. Taffet here. Okay, Yay. Mr. Taffet, give me one second. Let me introduce you. Here with us now on the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing is none other than former HBO pay-per-view head and now uh, the head of Mark Taffet Media, Mr. Mark Taffet. Mr. Taffet, how are you doing tonight? Oh, great. I just I just checked into my room after a long day flying from uh, the East Coast out to Las Vegas here for the big Fury Otto Volin fight. I'm supporting uh, Otto this weekend. Uh, very exciting. So I'm, I'm glad to be back. Okay, Mr. Taffet, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your time. You just said you might be a little bit jet lagged coming in from the East Coast to uh, Las Vegas. So we appreciate you being here with us. This is a, an interview that I've been waiting for. For quite a while, I've been asking David to get a hold of you, and finally we did. So, yeah. David, go ahead and, and uh, take the reins here, and we'll 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 go there from there. Mark, thank you very much. I appreciate you doing the the taxi or Uber thing to get there quick. Quick, yes, <laughs> exactly. Thank you, <laughs> absolutely. So, so, Mark, tell us how did you get involved in boxing? I mean, I mean, you're. How does somebody like yourself who's, you know, yeah. educated and how do you get involved in the boxing world? <laughs> in other words, in other words, why, in other words, why did I do it? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> so let me say, I went to the uh, Wharton School of Finance, graduated in 1981, got my MBA from that prestigious institution. And I came out and I worked a few years at General Foods in the Bird's Eye Frozen Foods Division. And while I was there, every quarter, we would, I was in the finance group, and we would do presentations about our analysis on new products. In my case, it was the new vegetable products, the corn and peas and broccoli that were being put out every quarter. About a year and a half into the job, I started to lose interest because I just, it just wasn't something that on a Saturday night cocktail party I really cared to talk about with, with friends. And at the same time, I got a phone call from a gentleman named Andy Kaplan, and he said, Mark, I'm at this new company called HBO. I know you because I was the controller of General Foods. I used to watch you do those presentations, and you were great. I want you to come over here. I want you to join us. He says, and just take any job. Don't worry about it. Just get in the door. So 
I didn't even know what HBO was at the time. I tease people and I say when I got there, it was just H. But I joined the company. <laughs> I worked for se- seven years in the finance department, and I studied every area of the company. And when I got to sports, at the time, it was headed by Seth Abraham. And Seth said to me, Mark, please help me with a financial model that justifies the amount of money I need to spend. And I did a study at the time that helped them eventually uh, redo a Mike Tyson deal. Uh, Mike fought for HBO in the uh, late 80s and early 90s. But most importantly, when I did the study, I saw that in six cities across America, there were these microwave dishes on people's rooftops that were generating more money from consumers in one night than HBO was paying for national rights. And I said to HBO, if we don't get into this new business called, and if, if, you know, we, we came up with pay-per-view, we're going to lose our boxing franchise. Because when this goes from 6 to 16 to 60 to 100 to 200 cities, they're going to dwarf the money we're paying. So they said, well, you wrote this extensive business plan. We have no idea what you're talking about. Would you like to run it? And, oh, my God, I, I think I ran home from New York to New Jersey that night and forgot my car. I was so excited. <laughs> and uh, on April 19, 1991, at Trump Plaza with Donald, Holyfield versus Foreman was the very first HBO pay-per-view fight, then called TVKO. And that's when it all began. That's the night pay-per-view was born, and, and that's the night my career changed and my life changed forever. Wow. Well, what, what is it that attracts you about boxing? Well, you know, when I was a kid, you used to have to go out to watch the big fights to a closed-circuit venue, to a stadium or an arena. And I used to go with my father, and I wasn't a big fan of boxing. I was a fan of big boxing. My father was the same way. We were great sports fans. And I went and saw some of the big fights of the 70s, uh, 60s and 70s as a kid. And I saw Muhammad Ali on closed circuit a few times. And um, I was amazed because I saw, I, saw, I saw a passion at a boxing match that I, I frankly didn't see at any other sporting event, including the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball. Nothing compared to the energy and the passion in, the, in that arena, when, when, when two men, one-on-one, faced each other and fought. And they weren't playing tennis. They were hitting each other and hitting each other for keeps. And um, it, was, it was titillating and stimulating. And, uh, you know, who knew? But when I had the opportunity in 1991 to actually make it part of my career, oh, my God, I was, I was so excited. I remember literally calling my dad, and my father was crying. He was so happy. I, I bet that was an incredible moment. Great fight too. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah, great fight. George Foreman. George Foreman stood for twelve rounds without a stool, and he said, "I'll show that kid what it's like to be a champion." And George fought his heart out. He was forty years old. He fought a very young Evander in his prime, um, but George was great, and America fell in love with George Foreman that night. Literally, they they couldn't get enough of Big George. Yeah, he sure was a call. What what brought you into the female fight world? What was it that attracted you to to take a look at it? Well, it's the, the short answer is two words: Clarissa and Shields. And you put them together, and how do you not get involved? The long answer is, um, you know, I had a great time at HBO, and and uh, I was blessed 
had an incredible career, and it changed my life, my family's life forever. And um, I felt that I wanted to give back, not just do commerce, but give back. So I looked around the boxing landscape, and I said, you know what? Women's boxing has never gotten the due that I felt it deserved. And all of a sudden, you see this young lady, Clarissa Shields, a two-time gold medal winner, the only back-to-back gold medal winner in boxing in American history, male or female. And I said, I, I got to tell you, on her broad shoulders, I think this dream could come true. So I stalked her. I literally stalked her. I, I could have been arrested for stalking her. <laughs> and I, I would not stop calling her and everybody that knew her and saying, please, 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 I don't have anything to gain from this. Uh, Yes, it's legacy, but I really just want to give back. I can make the difference. My skills and my background with the commitment to you, Clarissa, can lift you and women's boxing to levels never before seen. And it was compelling enough to her that she said, okay, let's give it a try. And I sat down with her. I made a two-year plan. Um, at the time, she was just still contemplating whether to turn pro or, or stay amateur and go into a third Olympics. And um, I convinced her to turn pro, and um, I promised her that it would be the best move she ever made. And in, in a short few years and in just nine professional bouts, it is really incredible what she's accomplished. And it, it comes because of her God-given skills that are unique to her. She's once in a lifetime. And because of a, a great plan that was, that was put together with, with great execution and the fact that Clarissa has the same vision I do. So um, it's, we, we speak the same language very quickly, even though we're from different parts of the world. Believe me, when we talk boxing, we speak the same language. What are some of the obstacles that you've seen that you didn't expect uh, once you delved into the female fight world? Well, so here's what some of them I thought might be there, but I didn't really understand them, and, and others were new. But there, there were a number of obstacles. First of all, uh, in general, when I started, the talent pool was thin. And that's a problem because you're going to hit a ceiling in your growth unless you have both breadth and depth of talent. And that meant, in particular, I saw that there was a need to develop talent at the weight classes that Clarissa was going to be fighting at to ensure the longevity of a career and meaningful fights. Second thing was I saw that there was a long way to go in the amount of money that that women were being paid. Um, And uh, third, there really was no television, so to speak. Um, So those were the major issues. Um, And so they became a critical part of our strategic plan. And one by one, point by point, I went at them, and I went at them hard. Uh, One of the things was we realized that Clarissa would actually have to come down and wait to, uh, to achieve some of her goals. And you'll see she started out at 168. She had a, an incredible fight with Franchon Cruz, who was also a heck of a fighter herself. I love Franchon. Yep. And when Franchon and Clarissa get in the ring, boy, they throw down. And uh, it, it's, it was incredible to watch. It was only a four-round fight, and people wished it was 44 rounds. That's how good it was. Um, but other than that, Clarissa really did need to come down. So she came down to 160. Very early on, I had gone to a WBC convention, and I met Harold Pia and Christina Hammer. 
And it didn't take long for me after learning of Christina's pedigree to see that that was the one that we had to point toward. And I, I very aggressively went after a deal with Harold and Christina, and we made a deal that basically gave us an 18-month runway of building fights, giving Christina some fights in the United States, doing a lot of marketing and publicity with her here, and at the same time increasing not only the level of competition but the, le- the number of accolades coming to Clarissa so that together it would come together and t- to make a mega fight. I had to supplement that with television. And that was actually very interesting. I spoke to everybody, but I've got to tell you, the man with more passion than anyone to give women's boxing a chance was Steven Espinoza. Steven and I worked together many, many times over the years. When he was a lawyer at Golden Boy, we worked together very often on Oscar De La Hoya fights. We got to know each other well and develop a friendship as well as a professional camaraderie. Um, we also were the two principals in the Mayweather-Pacquiao negotiations. We worked very closely, very long, and we had to, we had to listen to each other and form a common bond and overcome a lot of obstacles to make that fight. So that really helped cement our relationship. So I, when I went in to talk to Stephen about women's boxing, specifically Clarissa, you know, he talked about the commitment that would be necessary from, from us and from me. I talked to him about my philosophy. And um, we found a common ground very quickly. And because of everything we had done together over so many years, we had implicit trust in one another. And when you have people with implicit trust make a commitment to one another, that's how you develop success. So I knew that suddenly TV was going to work for us. And I did it, we did it in a way that was respectful of Showtime in that Clarissa had to work her way up. But she became a main event fighter uh, on Friday nights on Showbox. She moved into Saturday nights. She's on her second main event now. Of course, Dina was the first. She has another one coming up October 5th when she goes to make history in her third weight division against Ivana Havazin in Flint, Michigan. And uh, it's been just a magnificent relationship because Stephen and I see eye to eye. Gordon Hall is a great proponent. Um, Dimitri is a wonderful promoter to work with. He believes in women's boxing. Um, He believes in Clarissa Shields. Dimitri's a smart young man. He he learns so much every day. He just soaks it up like a sponge. And he's ready to ascend to the A-level of the promotional business, and I'm really proud of him and proud to be able to be a part of his team and work with him. Um, and he's just done a phenomenal do- job with Clarissa. Uh, he happens to be Otto Valine's promoter. That's why he's here this weekend as well in Las Vegas. So um, all of that came right. together. We found the right story. We developed stories with other opponents. We got Clarissa, um, you know, uh, uh, world titles in a number of weight classes and two. Got her to the undisputed championship. Had it all come together in time for that mega fight with Christina Hammer. Quickly identified a third weight division as the place to go got great nutritionists and a team to work with her and brought John David Jackson in. All of that led to Clarissa's fast improvement in the ring. As great as she was, she's now a full-fledged professional fighter, not just one of the great amateurs of all time, but she's now a great professional fighter. And John David Jackson's done great work with Clarissa, and Clarissa learned so quickly and so thoroughly with him. And so it's all come together, and here we are now, you know, on the brink of, of doing something that no man or woman has ever done, and that is win a third weight division title in their 10th professional fight. So, you know, don't ever tell this young lady, Clarissa Shields, that she can't do something because that's exactly the way to get her to do it. And uh, I, I just love working with her. I love her. 
And you also recently signed uh, Hannah Rankin. How did that come about? Yeah, yeah, you know, I got the bug. You know, Hannah Rankin fought against Clarissa, and I'll tell you, Hannah is, uh, she's something special in her own right. She's, uh, she's a bright, young, aggressive, goal-oriented woman who doesn't take no for an answer. She's a world-class bassoon player, by the way. She's got, you know, tremendous talent. Her musical talent is uh, probably even ahead of her boxing talent at this point, even though she's a champion for the IBO. And um, Hannah got in the ring with Clarissa, and that showed me everything I needed to know about Hannah Rankin. And she got hit something, something, something crazy by Clarissa, and she stood there, she took it, and she came back for more. Girl's got a heart as big as a lion, and I have a lot of respect and admiration for her. She's the first female champion in Scotland, female boxing champion in Scotland. And one of the few boxing champions coming out of Scotland. So uh, she's also a descendant of Rob Roy, by the way. Very interesting. Which oh, goes all the way back to the McGregor family. So I think she's got a little Conor McGregor in her. I think it's going to come out soon and be proven through her family tree that she's got some McGregor in her. And um, she's a great story. She's a great kid. And uh, I'm going to help her become a world champion in a, in a number of, uh, of uh, sanctioning bodies. And I think she and Clarissa complement each other tremendously inside and outside the ring. Um, but they both have one thing in common, and that is they want to be the best and they want to lift women's boxing. And um, I, I love and respect those goals. Mark, uh, I'm going to pass you on to Lupe they, and Felipe. They also have questions. Is that okay? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, Hi, let, me Mark. Put, let me put my gloves on. Put my gloves on. I'm ready. Hi, Mark. You know, you just, David covered a lot. Both of you just covered, your story is a beautiful story when you go back all the way to HBO and before HBO with your bird's eye. Um, Yeah, it's real. When you were, it's amazing. It's beautiful. When you were working at HBO, um, and well, and as a founder of a sports league with a background in TV promotion, what do you, I was going to ask you what you think needs to continue to happen for female boxing's visibility, you know, to continue on the upswing. But I think yeah. um, you spoke with David, and what, is it talent and money? Is that the answer? Well, uh, well, yeah, well let me just say this. So right now, there are a lot of people with their toe in the water, um, a lot of the promoters, and a lot of the big promoters. But to be honest with you, I don't believe that most of them really believe in it. I think they're doing it because they almost feel some sort of a – an obligation to do it. And I say that mm-hmm. because other than Clarissa Shields, who's been a main event fighter? What promoter is pushing for women to be main event fighters? And what I, I see what Showtime is doing, but I, I don't see many other networks saying we want a woman to be a main event and we believe she's deserving of it. And there, believe me, there are plenty of women out there who are deserving of being a main event, but it takes real courage for a promoter and a network to do it. And that's why I'm so thrilled to be with Dimitri Salida and Showtime right now because they showed the courage. They believed in the plan, and they showed the courage, and they stepped up. So what do we need? The best thing we need is talent because if you have the right talent, it will command network television, premium television, Saturday night main event appearances. Uh, And by the way, as I told uh, the women I work with, the pay will come very simply when the viewership is there. Clarissa's viewership is growing. 
her money is growing. She is now about to earn uh, eight times what she did in her professional debut. And it's only not, we're only, this is only her 10th fight coming up. Wow. So she's made tremendous progress. And that's because the viewership has been there. The same thing can happen with other women. I know how to do it. And I'm going to work with Hannah Rankin and probably with other women in the near future because I know, I know the formula that it takes to intrigue consumers and bring them to the, to the screen. And um, it, takes a, it, takes talent, it takes talented fighters, but it also takes committed fighters, fighters who are committed yeah. to making themselves available to the media day, night, and weekend. You know, Oscar De La Hoya did that as a young man, and that's what made him rise faster than any fighter that preceded him to become a pay-per-view megastar. The women fighters need to understand that. You know, there's, you have to work three times as hard as a woman to get one-third the benefit. That will change. Yeah. But you know what? I'm working hard. I'm working three times as hard as I ever worked. So I want female boxers who will join me in that mission. And in that commitment, Clarissa Shields is doing it. Hannah Rankin's going to do it. And they're going to set the stage and show the game plan to other women to do it also. And I love what Katie Taylor is doing. Uh, I, I, I love what uh, Amanda Serrano is doing. But they need bigger platforms. They deserve to be the main event, not the co-main event. Not the non-TV fight for sure, not even third on the card. They are more talented than most of the men that fight in main events. And you know what? I want to see those girls fighting in the main event on TV soon. And if it doesn't happen, then maybe they ought to talk to me because I'd be knocking the walls down to make that happen. And uh, I I hope it happens soon because uh, talent deserves it. With talent will come viewership, and with viewership will come money. We're doing it with Clarissa. We're going to do it with Hannah. And I hope those other young ladies get to see it soon also. I hope so. You know, Clarissa, to me, Clarissa and Hannah, they're similar, totally different women and boxers. But Clarissa, I mean, to me, she's like the American warrior. She fought so many battles in her life growing up in Flint. And Hannah is a Scottish warrior. I mean, Scotland has been fighting many battles throughout history. And it's, is in yeah. her blood. I mean, is that how you? Is that why you chose to bring Hannah into your At, circle? A hundred percent. You know what? It's like Schwarzenegger and Devito. You know, <laughs> brothers <Yes>. from another <laughs> mother or sisters from another <laughs> mister. Um, and uh, I used to tell Bob Arum and Don King that they had more in common than they did different. Um, Clarissa had look. Clarissa's ability is leaps and bounds beyond anybody else in the sport. She's incredible. She's once in a lifetime. She's going to go down mm-hmm. as one of the greatest fighters of all time, male or female, before she's done. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't believe what I see when that woman gets in the ring. And she gets better and better and better. And she rises to the occasion, and her best performances come in her biggest fights. And that tells you something. That's very, very special. Now, but Clarissa's got a huge heart. She's courageous. She'll fight anybody, anytime. Hannah Rankin mm-hmm. will do the same thing. Hannah doesn't know what it's like to say no. You have to hold her back. The truth is Hannah will fight ahead of where she should on her own career path. With the right path, Hannah Rankin is going to be a great female champion. And she, sh- she sure got the guts to do it. 
and she's showing the skills, and she's working with a great trainer and a great team. And with a little more experience in the ring, uh, you watch what that, what that young lady does. But, boy, her heart bleeds courage. Her heart bleeds entertainment. And uh, how do you not love and respect somebody like that? That's why I'm with her, because I know what she's about, and I know what she brings to the ring. And uh, she's going to be fighting on the non-TV portion of Clarissa's card October 5th, and it will not be long before she's fighting on the TV portion with Clarissa on the same show. And you know what? Anybody who watches those two women fight in the same night uh, are going to see people give 200% plus, and they're going to love their performances. And, again, I have to say, they're similar in many ways, but God bless Clarissa Shields, and you've got to give it to Clarissa. Nobody, man or woman, has in the game today has the talent of Clarissa Shields. She is simply the best, and she will go down as the best ever. And uh, I am so proud to be a part of her team, and uh, I'm in awe of her, not only in the ring but out of the ring. She's got wisdom when it should take decades to get it. You should be 50, 60, 70 years old before you truly have wisdom. And Clarissa's got it as a, at a young age. I say she has spirits from generations before her that are, have entered her body. And I, I believe in those things. And I believe that's also part of what makes Clarissa so special because she has broad shoulders way beyond what a 24-year-old young lady or young man would ever have. Um, and that's part of what will allow her to reach her greatness. And that's why as, as women, and I know all of our girls, all our boxers, why we love her so much. We just, we're proud of her. Like we, you know, like family, like we're very, very proud of her. Yeah. You know, I have one There's last nothing, thing. Nothing, let me just say, there's nothing yeah. she wants more. She puts the success of women's boxing ahead of her own. She always talks to me privately about how do we move the game forward? How do we lift it for women? How do we lift it for all the women and the ones coming down the road in the next few Olympics? She doesn't talk about Clarissa Shields. And I think she knows that Clarissa Shields is going to take care of Clarissa Shields and Mark Tappet's going to take care of Clarissa Shields. She wants yeah. to always challenge me to make sure that the whole game is being lifted for all women. And I love her for that because that's not what a 24-year-old kid does. Yeah, definitely. So, Mark, you called the Shields and Hammer a mega fight, and it was, with two undisputed champions in their prime. But Clarissa mm -hmm. showed everybody who the super, who the mega one really was. So now, where do you go from here? Who's the next mega fight in your eyes? Yeah, you know, that's a, uh, that's a great question, and it's not an easy answer. I'm going to answer it a few ways. I establish a lot of different goals for Clarissa that she needs to accomplish and will accomplish to, um, to realize her dreams and make her mark in history. For example, she's fighting Ivana Hoppesen, um, who's a very accomplished fighter and a former champion. Um, but Christina Hammer was a nine-year undefeated champion with the credentials that no other woman in the game had other than Cecilia Brackus. The history in this fight is that Clarissa is going down to 154 and trying to win a title in the third weight division faster than any woman, in, any man or woman in history. That's an important goal. Uh, another important goal of ours is to become undisputed at 154 if Clarissa is comfortable at the weight class. We also have a goal to fight in all the big cities of America. 
we're going to fight in New York. I'd like to fight in New York next. It's time to expand Clarissa's brand and the brand of women's boxing. That will be yeah. done on the broad shoulders of Clarissa Shields. So we'd like to get to Madison Square Garden, perhaps in her next fight, and, and, and get to New York. Uh, there's a lot of things that we want to do. We want to take her overseas and establish her brand overseas. I will tell you, God willing, we want to fight in Africa. She's a young African-American woman. She's a two-time Olympic champion. It would be incredibly meaningful to her career and to her life to go fight in Africa. She's fighting in a homecoming fight in Michigan. That was something important to her. So there are many, many goals that transcend the sport and transcend one individual fight. Now, that's a long-winded answer about where do we go next. We want to fight people like Alicia Napoleon. We want to fight Savannah Marshall, who has the, who's the one woman who's ever defeated Clarissa in the ring. We want to fight Cecilia Brackus before she hangs up the gloves. We hope she'll do it. We want to fight Amanda Nunes or Chris Cyborg, and we'll do it not just in a boxing ring, but in a contractually committed home-and-home home series where we fight a boxing match, and then Clarissa goes and trains and, and steps into the MMA uh, cage or ring. We're ready to do those things. We're going to make history on so many levels. And that's the Mark Clarissa Shields wants to live. We want to do for women's sports what Billie Jean King did for women's sports. I view Clarissa Shields like Billie Jean King, a real, true game changer for the ages. So there's so many things we want to do. Um, and, and those are some of the fights we do look forward to. It's so exciting. I mean, because if you – when you speak, we're just at the tip of the iceberg. Oh, and absolutely. So, you know, right? You want to take one, it one everywhere. One thing I learned at HBO, everybody always asks me, oh, you had this great night Saturday night, but, but now what? You know, now it can't happen again. Nothing's going to happen after this. So this fighter just retired. Well, let me tell you, we went from the age of Holyfield, Lewis, Tyson, uh, Riddick Bowe, to the um, George Foreman, to the age of Oscar De La Hoya, and Tito Trinidad and Mosley and uh, Fernando Vargas to the age of Mayweather and Pacquiao and Morales and Barrera and Marquez and all those fighters to Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin to Andre Ward and Sergey Kovalev. It's a long way of saying the one thing I know for sure is in boxing, there is always a next. And even when yeah. you don't know who it's going to be, if you have it in your sights and you have it as your goal, there's always going to be a next. We are always looking out on the horizon at fighters coming up and fighters developing. There will be some, some, the next greatest fight of all time in women's boxing is going to happen with a woman who we don't even know yet. But over the next two years, I guarantee you, we're going to see her, we're going to identify her, and we're going to develop her. Because that's what boxing is all about, and it always happens. And the more successful women's boxing has become, and because of what Clarissa Shields and others have done. Watch how many young women now, well, young women now, come into boxing over the next few years and make a real difference. Watch the great crop of fighters that begins to come out of each Olympics now, because the best fighters and the best kids want to do what Clarissa Shields and Katie Taylor and others are doing. That's what's going to happen, and it's going to lift the sport over the next two to four years at, to a level never before seen. And it's happening. I mean, already at the OTC, oh, yeah, we know so many sure. girls who Clarissa mentors. She works out with them. Mm -hmm. They're excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to happen. And 
I, I just hope I stay young enough and healthy enough to be a part of it. You know, I'm glad to be at the forefront of it, but I want to be a part of it as it develops. So, God willing, I'll Amen. be Amen. Amen. Mark, thank you. It was a pleasure. Felipe? Thank you. Thank you, Lupe. Mark, uh, I don't have that many questions. I know you must be tired, so I'm going to move fairly quickly here. Before mm-hmm. I get to my That's questions, okay. I appreciate it. Yeah, before mm-hmm. I get to my questions, I'm kind of surprised that you got bored about corn and peas in your first job. <laughs> I used to stand in the A. Listen to this. I used to stand in the A&P on Friday and Saturday night in aisle seven, and I used to look at green giants, peas and corn, and bird's eyes peas and corn, and I would talk to women because those were the customers as they came down the aisle, and I would ask them, which corn is yellower, which peas are greener, which one tastes sweeter, which one lasts longer, which one's better in the freezer. I did that. I was committed to that just like I'm committed and have been committed to boxing in the years that followed. But you know what? I didn't have the passion for it. And uh, yeah. I always say pay-per-view, the first piece, capital P stands for passion. Passion by the people who do it and passion by the people who purchase it. And I just didn't have the passion for those vegetables in aisle seven after a year and a half. And um, <laughs> so I moved on. And boy, did I get lucky because uh, I fell into something. I was in the right place at the right time. And look at the opportunity that developed. Hey, yeah, I, I drove a truck through it. I was hungry and I had a lot of vision. But, the, but it, was, it, it took the coming together of the gods in order, in order for that to even be there for me. So uh, I'm very humble about it. That's, a, that's an incredible story, uh, Mark, going from corn and peas to the one and only Mike Tyson. So it's, it's unbelievable. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> That that was the the beginning May, of, of your career. To Mayweather and Pacquiao, from, P- yeah. from peas and corn to Mayweather and Pacquiao. That's <laughs> the title. Yeah. That could be the title of your book when you write your book. From yeah, corn and peas to Mayweather and Pacquiao. Just just take me in the acknowledgement the at the at the end there. Um, yeah. yeah no, Mark, no, you motivated the title. I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, uh, you know we saw female boxing finally on HBO Airways in the last year. Of yes. that channel's boxing yes. program, but when we, when you were back in your days at HBO, was it even on the radar having female boxing yes. on the airwaves? Yes. The truth is, it was discussed many times, and the feeling, you know, in some of the earlier days, female boxing had a lot of mismatches. the 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 weight classes were broad. There was sometimes twenty and thirty pounds difference in weight weight when two women got in the ring. There was incredible disparity in skills between women that got in the ring. And it was really um, a story of mismatches, not great matches. And as a result, and, you know, we had a, uh, we had a group there of four or five of us who together ruled by majority. And, um, you know, for it, over and over again, it came out that it just wasn't something ready for HBO's airwaves. Um, I looked at it a few times on pay-per-view, and I would have been thrilled to do some fights on pay-per-view, but the promoters weren't presenting it um, in any meaningful way, and they didn't believe in it at the time. Uh, but I, you know, I give HBO credit, and I give Peter Nelson credit when um, he, Peter gave me a call. I mean, I'd like to say I was the one who called HBO, but the truth is Peter Nelson gave me a call, and he said, you know what, we're only going to be doing a few more fight cards. Uh, you spent a lot of time with us. And Clarissa Shields is the real deal. So we'd like to have Clarissa on our air before we uh, finish. And when they gave us the opportunity to be on the card with Cecilia and Tom Loeffler, 
and Cecilia Brackus uh, in that December on HBO. Oh, my God, what an opportunity. I screamed. I was so happy. And when I called Clarissa, she screamed also because to be able to fight on HBO was always the dream of every great fighter. And for me to be able to have Clarissa Shields in HBO's final fight after my career there, it was an incredibly emotional night. I'll tell you, there were tears rolling down my face when she walked into that ring. And um, it was wonderful, just a wonderful thing to do. So, uh, and, a, and a great uh, line on, her, on Clarissa's resume forever. I'm thrilled we were able to do it for her. And I thank Peter Nelson for that opportunity. Now, you mentioned, uh, Mark, that, you know, you have these plans of having uh, Shields fight in Africa and possibly go into a cage and MMA and obviously score another title in a third weight class. Is that a big reason why you decided on a female fighter? You have, you could have taken the pick of your litter. You could have taken any fighter with your connections and your knowledge about boxing. You could have made that guy a superstar. But you decided on female boxing. Was it because those milestones, those records, those, those uh, uh, you know, accolades have not Everything has been done in, in male boxing. You know, you got your eight-division eight world well, champion. You I'll, got your I'll, Mike Tyson. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you. Let me tell you what, why I did it. I, I think there are some issues right now uh, that have to be addressed in boxing. The best are not fighting the best on a regular basis. And a sport will not maintain its success or become more successful without the best fighting the best. And I saw many years when HBO and Showtime fought head-to-head, and eventually we got together and made some of the big fights because we had to deliver it to the fans. You know. Um, but now you've got four or more different factions uh, in the sport, and it's making it even more difficult. I will say to every one of those entities, promoters and networks alike, figure out how to get together and figure out how to make the biggest, best fights on a regular basis. Because that interest is greater than any of their individual interests, and their individual interests and goals will never be met unless they meet the bigger goal of giving the fans what they want by having the best fight the best. I looked at female boxing, and I said, you know what? I can get my arms around female boxing. I can motivate some entities to be in the sport we can aggregate and organize in a way that we can make tremendous progress in a short period of time with the right fighters and Clarissa Shields was surely the right fighter so if you look at by Clarissa Shields Dimitri Salida Gordon Hall Steven Espinosa and the Showtime Network and I and a few sponsors and a few causes and together I think we're actually showing that women's boxing can outdo what the men do when we focus our efforts and attentions. We're making an awful lot of history fast. We're coming a long way faster than anybody ever thought was possible. And I actually think in certain ways we're being more successful than the men. We haven't made fights that economically are as big as the men yet, but we're accomplishing more goals. We're making more fights where the best fight the best on a regular basis. That's happening. You know what? Watch the women over the next 12 months get accolades. As this is pointed out more and more, 
and put in front of the media and in front of consumers, and they say, you know what? The ladies are getting it done, and they're getting it done big time. And that's going to help drive the success of women's boxing further and faster as well. Let me tell you, look at Amanda Serrano, the path she's on with Heather Hardy. Look at the path Katie Taylor's on. She fought um, Delphine Pursoon and is going to, I'm sure is going to fight a rematch with her. Um, you look at uh, Franchon Cruz, who's stepping up now to fight a heavyweight, who's coming down to 168 because she wants to fight the best. They're all jumping on the bandwagon of saying, let's fight the best and let's do it now. That is going to open people's eyes, and the women are going to get credit like they've never gotten before, and it's actually going to put pressure back on the men to do, to do it the right way. I'm thrilled about it. And that's why one of the reasons I went to the women. I knew Clarissa Shields could be the one, and I knew that we could navigate our way through a path that would show people how boxing should be done and do it with the women. And as a result, it would lift the women to heights never seen before. That's why we're where we are now, and that's why I'm so happy about it. Why, why the role of a manager and not a promoter or a TV network executive to get you to where you want to go in female boxing? Because I wanted to be closer to the athletes. The one thing that I always had to be careful of and could do to the level I wanted to do at HBO was burst through that wall and have the relationship with the athletes. That was not my place as a TV executive. I wanted to be close to the athletes so that I could make sure that together I could help them reach their goals quickly and meaningfully and reach the goals that I have for the sport quickly and meaningfully. The only way to do that is as a manager where I can have privity with the athletes that I couldn't have in any other role. Promoters don't have privity with athletes. They have privity with managers who have fighters. Mm -hmm. The only person who has direct privity with a fighter is the manager. So I think I'm in a unique position with my background and experience and, and, and applying it in, in, a, as a role, in, in a role as a manager that enables me to help fighters faster and more meaningfully. Now, by the way, I'm working with some young men, too. I'm working with Shojahan Ergashev. Um, I'm about to work with uh, two or three other young men who are going to make a big difference in this sport over the next few years, a very big difference. That's one of the reasons I'm out here in Las Vegas this weekend. And when I, and Shojahan Ergashev, who I work, with, uh, work on with Dimitri Salida, is ranked in the top five in three of the four organizations. He's going to be the next great 140-pound fighter, and he's going to reach it quickly and meaningfully. I'm going to do the same thing with other men, male, male boxers that I'm associated with, and there's a few of them over the next few weeks you'll hear about. Um, it's a formula I have. And uh, it's not an accident that I've been doing some work with Dimitri. I love what Dimitri's passion is. I love his plans and his commitment. And he's shown me that he wants to get things done a certain way and get things done quickly. So I've been thrilled to work with him so far. I'll work with any promoter, but I'm thrilled that I'm aligned right now with Dimitri on the fighters we have. Um, I'm about success. Look, I'm 62 years old. I got to get done what I want to get done, make a contribution. Mm -hmm. And help these athletes quickly while I can do it. And you know what? Damn it, we're going to do it. Now, one thought that I had before the mega fight with Christina Hammer is why mm -hmm. so soon? Not because I didn't think Clarissa Shields was ready inside the ring, but like the, the, what we touched on before, what you touched on before, like what could be next after this mega fight 
where Christina Hammer. Now you've laid it out that you you have these plans to fight in other parts of the world and perhaps in the cage. But in part of those part of that plan, I'll does this why. fit? I'll tell you why. Something has to be first, and in my judgment, the first thing we had to do was create the most meaningful women's fight that we could. One of the most meaningful ever and the most meaningful in the sport today. That sets a bar. At the end of the day, the sport is defined by fights. So the first goal was make the mega fight. Make the best fight against the greatest world champion out there that you can in your weight classes. I thought that was the most important thing to establish, that the best are fighting the best. The rest follows from that. That was my feeling. Dave, you see Franchon Cruz, Desern develop, or Hannah Gabriels in six months or a year. Do you see maybe those rematch happening as well? Oh, my God. Rematches with Franchon Cruz, Hannah Gabriels, probably down the road with Christina Hammer, with Savannah Miller, uh, Savannah Marshall, excuse me, from the, from the uh, amateur days. Those are all incredible rematch opportunities. That would be big, big fights. I'd love to do all of them. I don't, and I don't see, frankly, why they won't happen. If Clarissa stays at 154, a rematch uh, maybe for all the belts with uh, Hannah Gabriels, which would be meaningful for Hannah and something really professionally for her to shoot for, um, as well as for Clarissa, that could, that could be a great event. I, I love that opportunity. It's something that I haven't spoken about publicly before, but I'm, I'm definitely going to be speaking with uh, – you know, Lou DeBell and I have had a conversation about that. We both think that's a beautiful goal and something meaningful for women's boxing. You know, Lou's also a great proponent of women's boxing. He and I speak about it all the time. And uh, he's got some fighters that I think make a lot of sense along this journey. And I think uh, we'll be doing some work with him in the very near future because we have common goals. They're big ones. And, uh, and we're two strong guys who don't like – to, uh, don't like to take no for an answer. So I look forward to doing some work with Lou as well and, and accomplishing some great history in the near future. Now, this is my last question, Mark, before we let you go and, and uh, go enjoy Thanks. yourself in, uh, in Las Vegas. Um, you know, I follow Clarissa Shields on, on social media, and it's no secret that she likes to speak her mind, and sometimes doing that gets mm-hmm. her in a little bit of hot water. Do you... Yeah. Do you have a conversation with her about that, or do you just let her be because that's who Clarissa Shield is? No, we talk about it all the time. It's a very important subject, and it's also a a very sensitive subject. Um, Clarissa, in my opinion, clearly says some things sometimes on social media that, let's put it this way, that I wouldn't say, but I'm not Clarissa Shields. I didn't grow up Clarissa Shields. I don't live as Clarissa Shields, and I have incredible respect for her judgment and for what she stands for and what she wants to accomplish. What I have said to her is, you know what, Clarissa? You have to be true to yourself. At the end of the day, your fans will love you for being true to yourself. I've raised the fact that certain sponsors may have an issue with some of the things she does and says and some of the positions she takes. But you know what? She's not in business sponsors. She's in business for Clarissa Shields and her fans and boxing history. There are some sponsors who are going to be very courageous and very understanding and they're going to say, you know what? I want to be with a woman who stands up strong. I want to be with a woman who's empowered 
and who's about strong, empowered women and who states her mind when she needs to. Now, I still think Clarissa could think about a few of the things she says twice before she says them, but I'll tell you what, 90% of what she says, even when others say it shouldn't be said, I'm behind her, and I'm behind her 100% because she's being true to herself, and she's standing up for women all around the world in, in many capacities. Clarissa's going to find her way. She's going to ebb and flow in and out, up and down. She's going to change her thoughts on some of the things she does and says. It's part of her development as a young woman. And you know what? She deserves to go through that development herself. I talk to her about it. I let her know my point of view on it. She hears everything I say, and then she puts it together in her mind, but then she does what she thinks is right for Clarissa Shields. I love and respect her for that. And, yeah, she's out there over the edge, and sometimes I cringe a little bit here and there, but she's <laughs> Clarissa Shields, and that's who she's always going to be. And I respect her and love her for it, and I'll make sure I always defend her. I'll always make sure I give her my point of view, um, but I'll be there for her all the time because her fans know that they get the real deal with Clarissa Shields. They do not have to guess what she stands for and what she's about, and they also don't have to guess what she's going to accomplish in the ring. She is going to stand up for women and lift all women in all boats as she does it. So God bless her. And there you have it, Mr. Mark Taffet, manager of Clarissa Shields. We thank you for being with us here on the two-minute round. Hopefully it's not the, the last time. And uh, there's nothing else we can say, but thank you for your time and uh, for your insight. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I'm going to go grab something to eat now. I'm hungry. And uh, I learned that the two-minute round is a lot longer than two minutes, but that's it. You learn. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> there you go. Thank Good you, luck, Mark, Mark, and have a great right. night. Yeah, Bye. keep doing your great work. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. And there you have it, Mr. Mark Taffet. To be quite honest with you, I mean, with that last answer, he's the perfect guy to be in, at the helm of, of Clarissa Shields' career. He has the plan laid out. I mean, you couldn't expect anything less from a guy that graduated from that, uh, is it Waylon, David? What, what was Warden. the name of the? Warden. Yeah, I've, Warden. I know, Warden. Yeah, I've heard of the, of the school. Um, so, Amazing, amazing, and I'm so glad that we got him here. I, I learned a lot. So did I. Okay, so great, great. But yeah, that story was amazing. I mean, from where he started to where he ended up and, and where <laughs> he's at now. Uh, quickly, we only got about 10 minutes, but I do want to get through some things before we end the show. Um, quickly, fight shatter. Uh, chatter, we actually, uh, the Mexican came out of me right there. Uh, the... Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we touched on this very quickly last show, David, but you weren't here. Cecilia Breakout switches trainers, goes to leaves Jonathan Banks, which was quite surprising to me, and goes with Abel Sanchez. Do you think it was a good idea? Um, you know, it's funny, but I it it is and it isn't. Um, the weird thing is that Jonathan Banks is like two blocks up from where yeah, he's, he's with Golovkin. And he's with Golovkin. They right. just basically they switched. Two blocks up at Shea Mosley's camp. <laughs> yeah. And I find it quite interesting that she went to a high-profile trainer. I mean, in the United States, I don't think there's an, another higher-profile trainer than Abel Sanchez. I mean, basically, Abel Sanchez was the the spokesman for Team Golovkin. So um, it's, it's quite interesting. A different style. Abel is more yes. – she's more of a boxer. He's, he's more um, – 
you know, about aggressiveness and, and, and volume. So let's see what she looks like. I mean, she doesn't have any fights scheduled. She is training up there in Big Bear with him. So let's see what turns out. Now, Amanda Serrano announced on Twitter a couple weeks ago that the winner of her fight against Heather Hardy this uh, tomorrow night will get Katie Taylor. Um, now, if that were to be so, and, you know, the underdog wins, which is clearly Heather Hardy, would that be something viable at her at 135 pounds? Oh, that's a good question because uh, Katie Taylor said she's moving up to 140. So, I mean, it depends, you know. If Katie it's Taylor actually is going to 140, I can't see Heather going up to 140 to fight her. And one other interesting one, one other interesting thing that, that turned out this week regarding this fight is the WBA sanction, uh, WBC, I'm sorry, sanctioned it for their interim 126-pound title. So that means that the winner of that fight, one way or the other, we become the mandatory challenger for the current WBC featherweight champion, Jelena Miranovic. So, I mean, I don't think we see that fight before Katie Taylor, but it could happen in the future if they keep that. Let's say, let's say Amanda Serrano wins tomorrow night. She goes up and fights Katie Taylor at 135 pounds and they allow her to keep that WBC interim title, she could come back to 126 and fight Jelena Maranovic, a fight that, that we've been waiting for for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Very true. Okay, well, let's move on yeah, to it, the upcoming con- Go ahead, Lupi. No, I was going to say, if they want to pair the Helena the money. You know, yeah, and that's the problem. That, that's out. what stopped it. But if the zone is yeah. involved, and I mean, that would be the fight against Katie Taylor would be the end of Amanda Serrano's agreement with them. But who knows if it can yeah. continue on a fight-to-fight basis. Yeah. And it's, it's one thing that the zone has is um, is money. So we'll see what happens there. Now, let's move on to El Kim Counter because we do have uh, a little bit of time here. Fri- tomorrow night, also Friday, September 13th from the from Edmonton, Canada, Jelena Moranovich actually comes back into the mm-hmm. ring. She's been training. I've been following her on social media. It's a non-title fight in an eight-rounder at 130 pounds against Marisol Corona out of Mexico. And obviously on Madison Square Garden on the zone, Heather Hardy defends her WBO featherweight title and goes after the vacant interim WBC title against Amanda Serrano. Lupi, how do you think this fight develops? Who do you think wins? Oh my God! You know this. I think it's going to be action-packed. I think Amanda Serrano is looking really good right now, but I also know that Heather Hardy is tough. Is tough, man. She she'll take a beating. She won't go down easy. David, but Amanda's looking really good. So you're picking Amanda? Yeah, I might be picking Amanda. (laughs) Okay, David. I'll say. I mean, I'll be nice if you pick. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm not going to pick anybody. <laughs> so, what, I just know what it's going to be a good fight. I mean, I think it's going to be a good. I, I, I like we we t- we touched it before the show went on air, and I'm going to go out and say, it. I mean, it could go to me in my eyes, in my opinion, it could go either. It could go two ways. Heather Hardy can make it into a fire fight because she's a hard-nosed fighter that goes forward and throws a lot of punches. She doesn't have a lot of power behind them, and, and Amanda could step right in there and try to prove her point and do the same. 
and just battle it out, which we've seen her do against Jasmine Rivas, or Amanda could pick her apart. She's coming in and just box her and possibly even knock her out in the later rounds. I'm going to go with the latter and say Serrano finishes her off before the 10th round. I might be wrong. Heather Hardy might take that punch, but I'm going for the knockout or TKO before the 10th round, maybe in the 7th or 8th round. That's my prediction. But like David, I think it's going to be a great fight. And that's tomorrow night on The Zone. On Saturday, September 14th in Guatemala, Maria Michelle Santiso will go against Cynthia Martinez in a 10-rounder for the vacant WBC International 105-pound title. And in Virginia, Tori Nelson goes against Latasha Burden in an 8-rounder at 154 pounds. That fight's not going to be televised. And at the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California on The Zone, Franchon Cruz Desern goes against Alejandra Jimenez in a 10-rounder, defending her 168-pound WBC title. David and I will be in the house on Saturday night in Carson, California. Oh. David, or Lupe, let's go with Lupe first. What do you think this fight? Yeah. How does this one develop, and do you pick somebody on this fight? You know what? This is going to be another good one. I mean, this is going to be a tough fight for Franchon. I, I, I love both of them. I love Alejandra. I know her. I think she's a great person. I know Franchon really well. I love her to death. I, you know, Franchon really, she's got a lot to fight for. She's got her mom. She's got a lot to fight for. I don't know. If I had to pick somebody, I, I would go with Franchon, but I would say it's going to be tough, a tough fight. David? Yeah, it's, it's there's so many factors. I mean, you have a heavyweight that's dropping down you know, several yeah. weight divisions. That's a big question mark. Can she fight at 168 for 10 rounds against Franchon Cruz? And then the other thing is that uh, she has power. She has power. Uh, can Franchon take that punch? Um, I think uh, Franchon is a quicker fighter. She's the natural 168. Um and then uh, Alejandro, we, we don't know. She's a big question mark. Can she really drop down that much? That's a lot of weight. Um, it's a, this is uh, a – go ahead, David. Yeah, wow, by wow. Decision. Wow. Now, here's here, – here's, that, that, I like that. I like that. Here's the thing. I agree with you, David, 100% that Alejandro Jimenez at 168 pounds is a big question mark. And in her last couple of fights at heavyweight, she didn't look all that great with in one of those fights against Iraiz Hernandez, okay? She dropped down to 168. But one thing that we do need to remember is that this fight is in the outskirts of Los Angeles on September 16th weekend with a Mexican in the main event. So even though mm-hmm. Franchon Cruz is from the East Coast, Alejandra Jimenez is from Mexico City, it's going to be like if it's Alejandra Jimenez is a hometown fighter. Okay, so every time she lands a punch or anything, the crowd's going to go nuts for her. So with that said, um, I'm going to go, oof, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the upset special and I'm going to take Jimenez in the, with the United, well, not United, but in a decision. Ooh, Ooh. Well, it's funny, but Franchon has some fans over here in L.A. She, oh, I, she I, has a lot of, yeah. a lot of fans she that, lot that of fans. she, uh, she developed as an amateur. But we'll as soon as happens. that, we'll see I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. That mariachi music is going to start for Alejandra's walkout and all those Mexican <laughs> fans who's never yeah. heard of her, 
who've never heard of her, don't even know that she existed, they're going to be, whoa, what's going on here? And every time <laughs> and she's going to have that Mexican flag with her, it's going to be hometown crowd for Alejandra Jimenez. It's going to be a great fight. I, I personally think it's a lot, not a lot, but it's more competitive than the one we're going to watch tomorrow night, in my opinion. Now, moving on to Saturday, September 21st in Florida, Chevelle Halfback, a name from the past, will be taking on yeah. Joel Sevilla Savados in the six-rounder at 154 pounds. And lastly, on Monday, September 23rd, from Osaka, Japan, Wakako Fujiwara will take on Joshi Wakasa in an eight-rounder for a regional title in Japan. The reason that I mentioned this fight is because it's all-female fight card yeah. in in Japan, which is very um, noteworthy. It happens every two or three. It happens about two or three times a year out there in Japan where they have an all-female fight card. So every time that it happens, we do want to note, uh, uh, mention it here. So tonight we had a great interview with Mr. Mark Taffet. We got a great fight happening tomorrow night. We have a great fight happening Saturday night. David and I will be there. Hopefully we get to talk to both fighters. We can have some sound bites for our next show, which is scheduled for September 26th. David, any closing thoughts? Loopy, any closing thoughts? Go ahead, David. Um, well, we were going to – I think we were going to mention about the Sunisa Estrada and Marlon. Uh, any, anything on that, David, that you heard be, besides what we saw from yeah. – uh, go ahead, David. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's uh, it's all depending on Canelo. Wherever his fight lands is when they're going to fight. They're part of that that fight card. So it so could be right November second. Canelo. Well, they still don't know if it's going to be Vegas or what. Okay. Because well, uh, they're starting they're, to finish they're, all the venues are used right now in Vegas, and that mm. and that date. So oh. they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. So that's why I. I I never wrote anything because I knew they didn't know, so I wasn't yeah. gonna go on record and look like a fool. Yeah, Loopy, any closing thoughts? But go ahead, David. Oh, but it is gonna take place, but it, it will be on the Canelo card whenever that takes place and wherever it goes. Wow, so it's pretty much a done deal as long as Canelo signs on the dollar line or Kovalev signs on the dollar line. Loopy, anything else? No, just I'm looking forward to these fights this weekend. All right, we'll talk about I'm it on September. Go ahead. I can't wait to. I should just jump on a flight and meet you guys. Me and my there sister are talking about it. We're like, we should just go. Forget the flight. Get a full tank of gas, get a couple of Red Bulls, and drive on down. We'll see you here. All right, guys. Have a good night. Scooping it around. We're out of here. Have a good night. We'll see bye. you on Saturday, Loopy. We'll see you on Saturday, Loopy. All righty, bye. So-